Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. We are live on the Charity Stripe Podcast with your hosts, Alex, Josh, and Nick. We're back, babies. Charity Strap at your free throws because they're free. Fisher, Disciples, DJ, Nikki, Snacks, Crider, those listening on the Mighty Air 1090 ESPN. Hello to you. We hope you enjoyed your Super Bowl weekend. The NFL season is now in the books. Chiefs are the victors. We first have to obviously give condolences to the person who lost their life at the parade and all those injured. It's, I mean, we've spoken about it on our show a multitude of times. We all stand in the same arena in this one of, you know, something has to be done and question whether something will be done at this point. It's now everywhere you go, everywhere you turn, something like this has gone down. I, it's in the, in the anniversary of the Parkland shooting where I knew someone who died in Florida. Uh, a friend of mine got killed, a teacher. And it, we were texting about it. it just doesn't make sense anymore at this point, but it, it, sadly, it's not surprising. You know, it only seemed like, unfortunately, with nothing being done, it seemed like a matter of time before this would happen at a parade. And it's really, at this point, only this country. Like we saw with Argentina and Messi, the streets were filled with millions of people, and there wasn't issues like this that we heard of. But in this country, it's time and time again, and it's just so awful that a great day for Chiefs fans and, you know, um, and the Kansas City Chiefs team and everyone that works for them, not only just the players, is ruined and marred by a disgraceful act by a couple people. And we, I, we, you know, we have fake Andy Reid on our TikTok and our Instagram all the time, and he's such a hilarious guy, and he's you know brought us a lot of engagement, which is we're always so grateful. And we saw him again this past Super Bowl, and he DM me today from our account, and I DM'd him back, and I was like, "Hey, were you there? Are you okay?" And he's like, hey, "I left before even any of that went down because it was already getting kind of aggressive." And it's just really sad to hear that fans and people are acting this way on once again, what should be a really joyous day for the team and base uh, in Kansas city. So it's just, just absolutely horrible. Yeah. I, there's just, there's no place for that. Those kind of acts in this country and, you know, we cover sports and no place in sports for any of that. That's not why we all, Love the game. We love the game because we love watching the players do their thing and we love rooting for our teams. And it's just, it's horrific, you know? And yeah, yeah. I'm glad, glad to know that I, there was another guy, Justin Dunn, who who we know um, that was at, at the parade as well. And he's okay. So thankfully, um, you know, the people that we've reached out to are okay. But, you know, obviously it wasn't the case for the 10 people that were wounded and the one that, that passed away. So yeah, that's, that's, uh, yeah. I think it was Nick the right I, way to start the show, Josh. I appreciate you saying that, man. No, of course. I mean, I mean, how I feel like Nick and I have said the phrase "our moms are teachers." How many, how many times now, right? Like when we talk about this, and it's an issue that hits home for all three of us. You know, stuff that has happened in Texas recently. You know, stuff happened in up, you know, in up out east when when we were in high school, and it's just over and over again. Like, there's never enough, and there's never any movement to really make, make amends and make things better in this country and make things safer for our youth, you know? And so hopefully, you know, but the best bet we have is the people in the young community who will eventually take the mantle, our age and people younger of the politicians and the decision makers in this country 
will say enough is enough. We had to endure enough and we couldn't make these decisions and couldn't be in those rooms signing these bills and passing these things. Now that we're able to be here, we are going to make changes. Um, that's at this point our, our best hope. So it's, it's really awful. But again, on a lighter note, and Nick, I'll let you say your piece on if you want to. It's uh, congratulations to the Chiefs. It was, uh, other than that horrific uh, incident, looked like a very fun parade with, of course, Travis Kelsey. Brittany Mahomes, we gave her a lot of flack before, and I'm always one to admit when I was wrong. She's kind of having a glow up in my eyes, and I'll come right out and say it. Yeah, I mean, uh, you guys have said it perfectly. Um, the count of people who got shot actually was 22, so I want to give respect to everyone who got shot. There's a lot lot of people involved in that. Um, but yeah, you guys, I, I won't continue with this one. I mean, you guys hit all the, the points here, but um, your point to to Brittany, um, I feel like she's gaining some respect from the the fans again. There, there's a video that surfaced that Jackson Mahomes couldn't get into like the VIP booth that she was at, like the table that she was at at this Vegas party, and like Brittany was just kind of like shrugging it off, like, eh, "Oh well, like sucks to be you." Um, you know, I think she's been a lot less obnoxious, and I think she did like a Sports Illustrated shoot too that you know can't say look bad. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, th I think this Taylor Swift saga has helped her in a way because it's taken a lot of the attention away from her in that booth. Um, every time they flash to the press box, it's Taylor and Brittany. And so a lot of people probably don't want to hate on Brittany because she's associated with Taylor. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is a, a, a complete 180, uh, WWE style from a heel to a, to a good guy. Oh, Nick, nice. <laughs> Nick, you know, you know how to pull up my heartstrings. I, <laughs> I think the, the, the Taylor thing obviously is, is worth bringing up. And, uh, you know, the company that you keep is oftentimes how you're associated. Right. So I think that's very, it's very apt to, uh, to bring up that, that companionship that they've, that they have together. And on, by all accounts, from what we've seen, like Taylor likes her like a lot. Um, but I'd also say I think, the, I think the, the doc, I think quarterback helped her a lot too, because that was finally kind of an opening of the eyes to a lot of people and more coverage that she got. And, um, you know, anything she's doing her own thing too, a little bit. Right. Yeah. I feel like she's got, she's like building things. And I, and I like that you bring up the doc, not to cut you, but like a hundred percent, like when she's actually had a chance to be shown in her, the respective light, not just with Jackson Mahomes being acting a fool in the press box. Like when Nick Nick had that like you know mini viral video on our Instagram had like six thousand views it had you know ten thousands of views on on our YouTube of the Wags and the Super Bowl and he didn't include Brittany Mahomes people came to her defense that was like a popular like people coming to her defense like where is she 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 been included so I I like that you bring up the quarterback of of her getting some light there Toss well okay I think that can also be parlayed into maybe a a larger thing that's kind of happening which. Mahomes now has three Super Bowls, right? Three Super Bowl MVPs. Four appearances, too. Four appearances. He's the most famous player in the NFL. Where are we on how the nation, football fans, NFL fans at large, forget Chiefs fans in this respect, look at Mahomes and like him, admire him, and or dislike him? Like where It feels a lot more akin to Steph Curry than it does LeBron James, in my opinion. Because 100%. I, all, that, all that to say, LeBron has way more haters or seemingly has more haters than Steph does. And it doesn't seem like a ton of people out there hate Patrick Mahomes. I don't think they hate yeah, Mahomes. I think they're just, I think they're just like, you know, 
you're a victim of your own success. I think they're, I think people are over it. You know what I'm saying? I think people will ultimately be just, they want difference. They want change. Like for Steph, like they were so dominant for so long. It was like, all right, already. And they got, and obviously the whole Kevin Durant thing, it was, it definitely soured their look a little bit, but once they had a couple of years where they weren't the top dog and they came back and won it, it totally re like Nick said, it went from face to kind of heel way back to face again. I mean, Mahomes is excellent. He's really, he's I don't think Steph was ever a heel ever. I think the Warriors were. And he's associated Steph, with that. I don't I think, think Steph was, though. I don't think anyone like had discrepancies with Steph ever. I don't think anyone hates Mahomes. I think people are just, I think people are like, we I, want the Chiefs to be taken down. I, yeah, that's what I, I would actually say. It's, it's more that they, they don't want the Chiefs than they don't want Mahomes to succeed. Right. And, Kelsey, I know like he rubs people the wrong way in some respects sometimes, but he's also beloved as well. But of course, you know, one of the big takeaways from the Super Bowl was also how he interacted with his own head coach. And a lot of people took issue with that, that he got physical with a 64 year old, 65 year old man um, who, who is not six, five and 250 pounds like Travis Kelsey is. But I mean, they did what they needed to do. They won the game. So ultimately I think that little, that little tiff didn't, didn't matter. Right. And I think Andy Reid would be the first guy to kind of squash that on air and be like, it's whatever, like it's the emotions of the game. It happens all the time. Um, I just think it's something to monitor, like going into next season, will there be even more just kind of, all right, we're totally over the chiefs. I mean, I saw in a couple of sports books that the 49ers are actually the favorite going into next year and not the chiefs. And it's like, that's insane. What are we doing? What are we (laughs) quick getting quick, giving them fodder to like, hold on to and motivate yeah. them. They don't need anything else. Cause they're, they're obviously the ultimate mold of motivators and then they go and get it done. Yeah. I think that's ridiculous. That the 49ers are favorites. They just fired the defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes. They have a lot of economic decisions to make, which I Nick, you shake your head at. Like I kind of am with you. Like he held, you know, the, Chiefs got to the, the Super Bowl. Like, I don't know. Like they were heralded as a good defense all season long too. So I guess they fell off a little bit at the end, but they held the Chiefs in regulation to 19 points. Under 20 points in my book is it's a pretty damn good job uh, against Mahomes and the Chiefs. So the whole Reed and Kelsey thing that's still going on, like, I mean, how often do we see the – I know, like, Jeff Saturday is a player, but how often do we see Jeff Saturday and Peyton Manning, that video resurface every year of them getting on each other's faces? It's the heat of the moment. He really didn't touch him that hard. Like, it's not that big of a deal. These guys are multi-time Super Bowl winners now, three-time Super Bowl winners together. They've been to four, like Nick said. They've been to how many AFC championships in a row? Six. So these guys yeah. have been in the five – think about how many games, extra games they played. Like, it, it, Mahomes has had, a, at this point, played an extra full season, more. Right, and just playoff games alone. So these guys have been into battle a multitude of times. So I, I think um, I think people are going to want to see them lose, but they're going to be people see that want to see greatness and they want to see the three peat. How often do we see three peats like you know in in any kind of sport? So it's it's an absolute rarity. It's so tough in the NFL, and it's crazy that the sports books don't have the Chiefs as the favorite because Chris Jones says he's coming back, and if he's coming back, the defense is probably going to be intact. They have a lot of youth there, and I have full faith in the Kansas City Chiefs as the favorite. But let's do a little a little way too early. A little way too early. This year, the Texans were the big surprise team. They went from the second-worst team, left for dead, rookie head coach, rookie quarterback. They Everybody thought they got the second-best quarterback. They traded up. They got Will Anderson. They went all in on him. They got both rookies of the year on the offensive and the defensive side of the football, which is crazy. Who is going to be the surprise team for you guys this year? Call it right now. Before the draft, before the offseason. It's tough, but this is our gut check. 
And we got to give love to the Texans. Uh, they already surprised us this year, so I think it's on par for them to continue to surprise us. And um, sorry, I've got a crazy dog running around right now. Oh, can that's we, who's in the house. Can we see the dog? Can we get Bevo over here? We can catch him. He's just oh. zooming around the, the room right now. Do we? Oh, can yeah. we? Yeah. Can we clarify what we mean by surprise and like which yeah, teams are sure. in attention for that? Yeah, hundred percent. Like the teams that stunk, like a bad team that could make that jump. We see it. It's oh. someone's gonna do it. Someone's gonna make that jump. I'm talking a team picking in like the top, you know, fifteen range, maybe even top ten. Well, one of those teams in the picking well, the in the Chargers sucked. The Chargers sucked. They got Jim Harbaugh. They revamped their entire staff. I mean, hopefully they have a healthy Herbert and they get all their wide receivers healthy as well. So that's probably the number one team that you could look at that stunk. That's top picking the top five. Now, okay. Now, second to follow up question to them: Would that surprise you? Because to me, it, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. Yeah, be surprising no, it's not surprising. Me. But like by the standard of what you were saying, a team that sucked last year. Um. That would be the one. Uh, I mean, I, I would not be shocked if the Cardinals put it together. You know, I think if they're getting Marvin Harrison Jr. and they're adding another dynamic piece to the offense and you have a full year of Kyler Murray. And I think any, everyone that we talked to that either played there or was close to the organization was pretty not happy with what happened, but was like, okay, this is like we're on the right path here. And we talked to Michael Wilson and he he felt like, you know, their coach has kind of, you know, gotten some some tough love and that he thinks that he's a good coach and that I think they've got some big pieces to build off of. So yeah, I could see the Cardinals making a jump, maybe not to first, because that's a tough division. You got the Super Bowl favorite, but at least maybe wild card consideration. Yeah, I would say from I, I like that pick a lot. I mean, they have Kyler Murray, they've been to the playoffs under him already, and they were in a lot of games we talked about. I would say for me, maybe the commanders. Weirdly, also picking at two if they're in if they get Drake May or Caleb Williams, you know, at the quarterback position, they have a lot of picks to play with. Um, they have some cap room as well to go and sign some guys. I know guys want to go play under Dan Quinn and his defense. So if they can revamp the defense, revamp the offensive line, I think that's a division that's weirdly winnable. Like we see it every year. Like that, yeah, it's the Cowboys and the Eagles, but like there's a lot of turmoil in Philly. Dallas continuously disappoints pretty much every year, year in and year out in our lifetime, whether it's, you know, in the regular season or the postseason. And who knows what's going on with the Giants? They're like the Eagles, but in a worse, worse position almost. Uh, so I would say, like, if there's a team that's going to surprise, like the Texans, that it could be the commanders also picking it too, ironically. I I would be utterly shocked and willing to put down that's a, a, hefty, a hefty sum that the, commanders, it's a surprise. the commanders don't make the divisional round next year. Um, but it is a that's a spicy selection for sure. I realistically, the way that I look at it, like CJ Stroud is a one of a kind guy. So I don't like putting what he was able to accomplish on any given young QB that's coming into the league, right? Like okay. that is not the expectation for any one of these guys that gets drafted one, two, or three. Um, or if Daniels falls past three, like I'm not expecting these guys to make the divisional round, the rookie quarterbacks, and everything went right along with CJ Stroud being tremendous. Like he was, he broke rookie records. Um, so I, I think that th what they did is not replicable by any of the teams that are at the bottom of their division, except for the chargers. But I already mentioned like it, it has everything to do with who their coaches, the talent on that team has been solid for the last four years. And I even think Nick, I wanted to, to ask you, you know, they name uh, Nick Hardwick 
at a fellow Nick as their offensive line coach. Fellow former Believe host. Former Believe host, former Charger, Stand obviously. Uh, but he's an assistant offensive line coach. He's an so ass- he- okay, assistant offensive line coach. But yeah. with him coming into the building, with Harbaugh, who is a guy that likes to build through the trenches, is has been relying upon a run game no matter if he's been coaching in college or in pros, are you going to be upset if they take an offensive lineman with the fifth overall pick? Um. I mean, if it's Joe Alt, like it's hard to be upset about that, right? He's like the best offensive lineman in the draft. And I imagine he'll be there at five and, you know, he could be an all pro the first year he plays. And then you just put him on the opposite side of Rashawn Slater. So that's one of the best. So I'm not mad at that. Okay. No, like honestly, I, I, I'd be kind of upset if they took Brock Bowers at five and didn't trade back because I'm seeing mock drafts of Brock, Brock Bowers fall to 18. So yeah. if you're going to take Brock Bowers, don't take him in the top 10. If you're going to keep your pick, take Joel, maybe see if Marvin Harrison's available or trade up for Marvin Harrison. But like, I don't think you really need to reach for, for Brock Bowers. If it's Roma Dunze, maybe you also trade back. It's, it's hard to say because I feel like a lot of these guys are, are getting mocked to the later side of what they really are. I'm, I'm with mm-hmm. you, by the way. I like wholeheartedly all across the board, everything you just said about how they should evaluate and what they should be looking to do. Like, if you bookend two all pro tackles and give Justin Herbert time, we've seen with the talent that he has, like it shouldn't really matter who your receivers are. Like it matters to some degree. Right. But as long as you keep one of Keenan Allen or Mike Williams, and as right. long as like Palmer takes that step forward, like we think he can, and you bring in a running back who can work. QJ has tackles. a better season he did, which like that's hard not to do at this point. Right? <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Like I mean, you spent the first round picking on receiver last year. Right. It, it, and you just have to trust that he's going to make these guys impactful wide receivers. And also you're going to be an efficient offense and not completely reliant on an air raid style offense and Herbert throwing for 400 plus yards per game. So I'm, I'm right there with you. I think, yeah, they won't, that won't surprise me, but it's certainly something I look for them to, to be knocking on the door for 10 wins next season. And I'm, I'm rooting for that. I want to see the chargers successful. Um, Josh, you threw out the commanders. I'll just throw out that, you know, this team was, not one that instilled a lot of confidence with us going into last season, but they have a good roster, a much better defensive roster than they've had in the last five years. I think if the Falcons can bring in a competent quarterback, like sure. it's, it's a relatively winnable division still, even though the Bucks ended up at the top of it. And, you know, they bring in Raheem Morris, who's now what he's 15 years removed from his first stint as a 32 year old head coach. He brings in an OC who I think is pretty savvy and Zach Robinson from the Rams. Like I, I think the Falcons could actually win this division next year. And I think they should. And that would take them to, you know, the playoffs and potentially a division round game in an NFC. That's still, you know, somewhat lackluster and, and pretty open. A lot of parody. I agree. I think obviously AFC at full health is a lot stronger. I'm hundred percent with you. I think the pick should be Joe Alt for the chargers. Everyone's mocking a dunes. Everyone's mocking Brock Bowers, but realistically, like how many of the best receivers were in the super bowl? The best left tackle in football was in the Super Bowl. I they got rid of much. the best receiver to go get offensive linemen, defensive linemen, and defensive backs. If you have Rashawn Slater, Joe Alt, Zion Johnson, who you took a couple years ago, and you're really building that offensive line with Justin Herbert, and you go get a running back to pair with Eckler, you've already spent you've spent draft capital on QJ gone. last year. I was think he's gone. He's gone. Oh yeah, you don't he's think crazy. he's? You don't think they bring him back? I don't think. I don't think Harbaugh. I don't think Harbaugh wants him. Okay, I don't think fine. he wants to be there either. Well, just for his price tag, right? Like where you need that money, you're going to need it elsewhere, and he can go draft Corum, right? You, they've, 
like he can go draft another guy. He wants a guy that can run between the tackles and get you guaranteed three yards every single every single Great. touch. Fine. You could get whoever. The, the point being, you get, get whoever. Because Kyron Williams is a six-round pick, and he balled out. Like, you could get running backs across the board. It doesn't it doesn't really matter. I hate to say that about the position. Isaiah Pacheco is a two-time Super Bowl champ. <laughs> seventh, seventh-round pick. Yep. <laughs> yeah, seventh-round pick. Like, so... I don't know. I, I think Joe Alt should be the pick in a rocket ship. How about a team that was mediocre? Like I'll say like the Packers last year that you think can make the jump to be like a real contender, a real surprise contender. Um, Yeah. Packers are a good one. Um, that was this year's. How about like coming up, like the team that was like, you know, in that range of like 20, maybe they almost made the playoffs or kind of like got into the playoffs and, but they didn't do anything. Um, well, I think like you can still include the Packers because they they you know they lost in the divisional round and so sure they they didn't technically make it all the way but I think they can build off of that success and that they can continue. Um, I mean, I think you look at the entire South. Um, you know, things have changed in Atlanta and they were on the cusp, but you know they're a quarterback away. I feel like with a talented roster, um, I think the Saints regress. The Bucks just depend on what they do with Baker and if they can kind of retain some of those guys. I know that Mike Mike Evans was a guy that was talked about to hit for agency, but you know they might run it back with him. Um, I think the teams that like we're looking at, maybe the Raiders. You know, I think they're a team with Antonio Pierce that had that they had that organization looking like a whole other franchise. You know, those players were energized and look, they do have a top receiver. Uh, they do have some you know good pieces back there in the backfield. They've got some good defensive players, but they just have to they have to figure it out. You know, they can't have those, you know, off the field issues, you know, injury stuff, you know, obviously hurts ivory control, but not sure if I fully trust Jimmy Garoppolo, but you know, maybe they're a team that looks to the draft and seeing if they can have a quarterback competition this offseason. Um, I, so yeah. I actually think their day one starter right now is probably AOC. Aiden O'Connell. I think so. The, re- the real AOC. Yeah. I think the real yeah. AOC is the guy for the job right now, but I, I'm not thrilled. Like- I'm not thrilled about that, by the way. I just think that that's who is probably going to, if they don't go for a guy, they don't draft a guy. He's probably going to be their day one. Guy. They're the betting favorite for fields. So maybe they go get a Justin Fields. Kind of cool. second, round, second round pick on Justin Fields. You have Fields, Devonte Adams, and then you're sitting there at 13 and you could take like a Nate Wiggins, Terry on Arnold, Quinion Mitchell. You could take a good corner and you could continue to build the defense with Antonio Pierce. All you need is one really good draft. So you have a really good draft. You have Crosby. Hopefully Tyree Wilson picks it up. He's a little lackluster in his rookie year. And then you have a good defense. I, I, I that, that would probably be my pick too. I think the Broncos are in a really weird spot. The Water Falcons still. I like G, Geno Smith, but he's, there's some questions at quarterback uh, for me. So I, I would say that's that's a really strong pick. Um, anyone else you want to throw out to us? Um, is it is it fair of me to say the Browns like it, it, they won 11 games, but that team was pretty much in turmoil the entire season offensively. Their defense was excellent, and I feel like no one ever really thought that they were a true contender, especially because Joe Flacco was their quarterback. And if Deshaun Watson can be healthy and play 70% of what he was when he was in Houston, he will be better than Joe Flacco. He'll be better than all the other guys that slotted in as the quarterback position for that team. And I think they're the type of team that could still win the, win the division, honestly. like I, I, The Ravens are really, really good, but, but so are the Browns. And if you know, they'll, they'll get their, their workhorse back, back next year. Nick Chubb will return to the lineup. Um, he's coming off of a massive injury. So who knows what he's going to look like, especially in year one. Um, 
But to me, if they can get everything going in the right direction, like this is a team that can vie to do what the the Lions did this past year and potentially get all the way to the AFC Championship. I, it's probably not what I would bet, but I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if you fast forwarded to next year's AFC Championship and they were in the game. I mean, Controversial yeah. opinion, but I think the Jets could be that team as well. I mean, yes, they didn't have Aaron Rodgers and they'll get Aaron Rodgers back this season, but I mean, they won seven games with that roster without him with Zach Wilson and you know, whoever else they lined up at yeah. quarterback. So and it's, Mr. A, it's Mr. a Bojangles <laughs> deep, deep offensive line class too. And they need like, they need a couple other guys in there to help out Aaron Rodgers Cause that was still an issue for them. Um, yeah. We saw Dalvin cook couldn't even like get off of yeah. a line of but scrimmage we, because we're, they had no fans. we're Garrett Wilson fans. You know, they've got Quincy and, and Quinnen like it's a good, good TJ Mosley. Like it's a good sauce Gardner. It's a great team. And look, I don't, think the jury is out yet on on sala i think he still gets another shot and um you know this was kind of a chalked up to to an l just from series one of the season because of aaron Rodgers. but <laughs> ultimately like this division looked way less impressive than i think we thought it did mm. like going into the season we were like this could be the best division in football all these teams could potentially make the playoffs and yes two of them made it but the dolphins imploded they were a team that you know we were high on at the beginning of the season, and really all they had to show for it was good offense. I mean, yes, they were plagued by injuries, um, and then the Bills, you know, can't get it done in the playoffs. And yes, I know they lost to Mahomes, the Super Bowl champion, but we've seen this story for the past three, four seasons. It's like it's literally like the 1990s Bills, except they're not making it to the Super Bowl. It's they're <laughs> getting to the very end, and they're just not getting in. Yeah, yeah. I, I I don't hate the Jets pick at all. If they get Rodgers back at seven wins, like he get completely, he's probably good for two or three. You have to think like there's got to be a couple close games where he's good for two or three wins. And I think the Patriots, I don't know how good they are at all next season. Um, you know they, they have a lot of growing up to do. So I, I think the Jets is a strong pick. The Browns, if they got this far with all the turmoil they went through, and not even just injuries to Watson and and, and uh, Chubb, they had injuries in the offensive line across yeah. the board. So if they get their offensive line healthy, Chubb, if anyone's going to pull an Adrian Peterson, it's probably him. So if they get him back, and if Watson is somewhat decent next year, I think that that's a really strong pick for them to, to make that jump. I'd like for them to add some some offensive weapons as well. I mean, Amari Cooper's amazing, and Njoku had a good season, but I'd like for them to have another top tier wide receiver to go across from Cooper. If he falls, dude, like worthy could be nice in Cleveland. Yeah. I mean, what does falling mean though? If he's going to be a second round pick, they'll have the option to get him. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. He'll be a say he'll be like a late second round pick. If that's, that would be falling in our eyes, I guess, but it's a deep receiver class and you don't necessarily know how it's going to break. So I think worthy is, a really good guy to get across from Amari Cooper as a number two. So I think that'd be a lot of fun. Um, last bit in the NFL, which team is going to be the most disappointing team next year? Just your gut check. Like who's going to bomb? Who's going to be your, who's going to be the chargers? I think we got to stick with, Oh, you mean a team that's like supposed to be good. That's going to bomb or just a team that's going to be the worst team in the NFL. We know who that is. We know yeah. it's going to be the thirds. So who's yeah. going to be like the, the bot? Who's going to disappoint? Uh, uh, I mean, I feel like the Jaguars are like on the decline here. I mean, they we all thought that they were potentially going to make the playoffs, and they Solid stunk. So I think that's a good one. I mean, I, he'll definitely be coaching for his job this year, and I think pe they'll probably have questions whether or not Trevor Lawrence is the guy. I mean, he might get the 
the Jared Goff treatment, and even though Goff made it to a Super Bowl, they might write him off early. Um, I could totally, I could honestly totally see the Water Falcons, the Seahawks, being a crappy team. You know, like, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm not so confident that like the Lockett Metcalf duo is gonna like be super dangerous next year. I feel like they're getting older and older, and then of course Geno, it's like, all right, it was awesome when he came back, but you know, this is three seasons in now. It's like they're just. They're not getting it done. Um, if anything, they got to just build on that defense. But yeah, those could be the teams. It's a rookie Steelers. head coach too. You never really know. Yep. Uh, I think the Steelers are fine. Okay. Yeah, Steelers. I honestly, I, pick, I, I honestly, I honestly picked. I almost picked the Steelers to be <coughs> like second fiddle behind the Browns when I mentioned them earlier. Because if the Steelers bring in a okay. competent quarterback, their defense is really, really good. They're really well coached. Like they they win close games. Like how many games <coughs> were they losing at half that they ended up? Coming back kinda, and winning. I kind of have a feeling we're gonna we're gonna figure out where Justin Fields ends up within the next month or so, like yeah. before free agency starts. Because I think that a lot of these teams want to like budget and they want to know what exactly they need to, need to add. And I realistically, I, the Bears are taking Caleb. I, I don't think there's any any doubt in my mind that they're not taking him and they're going with Fields. Like Erlacher said it best: if you're having questions about the guy, then he's probably not the guy. Like you want to like that's a good point. You know, I mean, it's so simple, but like. If you're questioning it, then like he's not your guy. So yeah, go for Caleb. Trade Fields for the value that he can get. I mean, he built some more value on himself towards the end of last season, and let it be a bidding war because you've got the Falcons, you've got the Steelers, you've got the Raiders, you've got potentially the Vikings. You know, I mean, like these are teams that that are potential playoff teams. You know, where they they are in a bind, and you have the leverage. So. You could ask for maybe a late first or you know an early second for him and get that get that done. And then you add, you know, as you're the Bears, have a great draft class. And then one of those teams can go out and transform Justin Fields and give him an amazing career. He would be awesome with the Steelers. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm I with so that. Too. Is is it weird that I'm a little wishy-washy maybe on the on the Benjis then? Like someone like I, I, well, you're looking at me like I'm crazy, and I think a lot of people. Oh, you mean, I, I thought you meant. I thought you meant wishy-washy. I thought you meant like him going to the Bengals. Like, why would that? No, happen? no, 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 no. I'm saying like, I, t- I think I said this. I don't know if it was on a show or in passing to Utah's, but I said that like Burrow is kind of starting to give Andrew Luck vibes, like two season-ending injuries. Like, I don't know. T. Higgins is probably gone, which is like a big loss in my book. Um, they still have I'm offensive not really- line issues. I'm not, if we're I'm so not hyped really on the Ravens, Browns, and the Steelers, like I something has something has to give in that division. It has to. Yeah, I just don't think they're going to be like a four-win team, right? Like I think okay. they might be. They might repeat what they did this year, right? If he misses multiple games, if he misses any time, like if he's not out there, that's that makes all the world's difference because they're just not the same team. Like I just I truly believe in his talent and what he's able to kind of to to squeeze out of the orange. Like he gets all the juice out of it. He's just so good at making plays. I don't really care if T Higgins is on their team next year. It's not like he'll figure it out. I really, I'm not like, I'm not that. Sure, he's a great quarterback. By. Maybe it, 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 it affects the way that I look at them as Super Bowl contenders. Yes. But as far as like being nine win team, 10 win team, like it would, it would hurt to not have him, but it's not going to be the end of the world. I, I mean, I look, you mentioned, you mentioned the Vikings. Like if, if Kirk Cousins doesn't end up back there and they have no solution at quarterback, like I don't care who their offensive weapons are. They don't have a guy that can get them the ball. Their defense is not good still. Like that team could be in trouble, uh, but they also could be good. Like that team to me is so volatile. I heard, crazy source, 
I know I heard from a source, uh, a Viking <laughs> source. It's wild, but um, that people close to the organization believe and and they've talked to Kirk and I don't know exactly who's saying what, but essentially Kirk wants a multi-year contract and the Vikings only want to give him a one-year deal. They want to you know, test it out. Maybe they draft a quarterback or they look to the next year's draft, whatever. Kirk might not like that. And so he might test out for agency and potentially go to Detroit because he's from Michigan. You know, he's a fan. He grew up a fan of that team. He went to Michigan state and maybe they feel like Goff isn't the guy because Goff's another guy they have to pay eventually. And so instead they pay Kirk cousins. Whoa. That would be an absolute shocker. Uh, I just feel like crazy things are happening. Jared Goff feels like he's kind of tethered to like the identity of this new wave Detroit Lions. Like he was a massive know. part of it. Is, I thought you were going like, Justin Jefferson leaving route. That was nuts. That no, 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 no. For I, something I, crazy. That was crazy. I, I kind of just feel like, like, ju- like Jared Goff. Yes, he got them there, and he's part of the identity of like the new wave. But at the same time, I feel like he also is so one dimensional that they could not get back into that game because Brock Purdy on the other side can at least run. Jared Goff is a pocket passer. And when the pocket's collapsing and you know, your guys aren't open, like there's nothing for them to do. Like in today's NFL, you need a guy who can improvise. And I'm not yeah, saying but Kirk cousins can do that. He, can. he can do it a little bit better. Goff literally can't move in the pocket. Like he needs to, he needs to make his decision in the pocket. And that's that he's not breaking it. I, if I'm the lions, like I would probably keep Goff, and I'd potentially look to maybe get a guy on the roster that can move to at least be underneath him in case, you know, golf goes down or yeah, they have that Hendon hooker who no one talked about at all this year, who came true. back from injury. You have Hendon true, hooker, true, like true. standing behind Jared Goff. That would be nuts. I would, that kind of QB carousel. Hey, I asked for something crazy. That was crazy. That's as hot as it they, gets right there. That's a statue. Look, that's, that's literally just something I heard from a Vikings. Well, I, I like, think that's it's a, like he, he's, he's, like unbiasedly saying that happened because of course he wants to keep Kirk Cousins, but I think right. you know playing devil's advocate, he's like, well, could technically be the the Lions. It's up Look, to if Kirk. They, if if yeah, if they give Kirk a one year deal like you're saying, and he doesn't want that because he's getting up there in age and he wants a multi year deal, totally understandable. Any other team is going to be chomping at the bit to bring him in as their starting quarterback. Like Pittsburgh, we talked New about Steel, right? The Atlanta, like all those teams are jumping for joy. The, the the team that I'll just throw out as one that could nosedive, in my opinion, and Nick, you mentioned them. I just feel like all their best players are kind of hanging on a thread age-wise. Like the Saints, the Saints could be really bad next year. They could they could be really yeah. bad. They could stink on ice. Yeah, I, they they I would be love a team that ends up trading Camara too. Yeah. I mean, Diggs can get moved. Like if Kirk Cousins, I saw that if Kirk Cousins leaves, Jefferson could get moved because he's not signed. He's not signed yet. And we've spoken about, I think we've spoken about the show years ago. Like there's going to come a day where like Justin Jefferson's like, get me out of Minnesota. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't want to. And, be. Then the, and then the Bengals are like T Higgins who I do not care. Yeah. That would, and that they, re, would they, re, they recreate the Bayou Bengals in Cincinnati. That'd be unbelievable. Uh, uh, Nikki, take us home with the last two topics. Yeah. So we got some uh, NBA. We got some baseball. What do you want to start with? Your call, man. Okay. We'll start with the NBA. Um, some quick hitters here. Um, how many real contenders are there in the NBA right now? Because Ooh. there's always – I feel like there's always teams that make it into the playoffs and right, have a great great regular season. But, like, how many true contenders are there that could actually win it this year? 
Like, can mm. the Timberwolves actually win it? Josh? Yes. You think so? I'd no. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say no. But If they have home court advantage throughout the entirety of the playoffs, I think they can. I think there's a. I think the thing with Gobert where he disappears offensively in the playoffs, which is a big issue for not only Utah, but a lot of NBA people, I think, yes, he's had Spider Mitchell in the past, but I think that's Keld because he has Towns and obviously Anthony Edwards, who with him beat out has probably elevated himself into the top five, top 10 MVP rankings. Um, I think the Tim, to me, I would say in the East, there's three, te- there's four teams, five Ooh. if Embiid gets back. I think it's Boston. Okay. Boston's a clear cut. But the way Cleveland's playing, you have to take notice. Uh, Milwaukee, obviously, with Giannis. I don't buy the Knicks with the injuries. Um, the Sixers, if they're fully healthy, which remains to be seen. And obviously, the Miami Heat, just once they get in, they're lethal. I would say in the Western Conference, probably Clippers, Nuggets. Yeah. Clippers, Nuggets, Suns, for sure, to me, can win the finals. Lakers and Warriors. The Warriors have been really hot. Like, not just, you know, another team that has such experience. Like, if they can get in there, we saw the Lakers go from play in to Western Conference finals last year. You know um, what, though? It's nice that we're actually having this conversation and that we're like iffy on it because I think in years prior, like <laughs> up to like the last couple years, it's been like, okay, there's two teams. It's going to be the same two teams. It's going to be the same team. It's going to be the same three teams. And it's nice now that there's some parity. You know, I mean, it's not the Warriors, it's not the Heat, it's not the not the Lakers like back from back in the day. You know, where it's you know exactly what you're going to get heading into the playoffs. So those other teams might as well not even show up. Yeah, actually, before you go, T, I'll say this: maybe not the Timberwolves because of the youth, and they need a little more deep experience. And I'll put the Thunder in that boat, and I'll put the Pels in that boat, and I'll put the Kings in that boat. But everybody else, so the Warriors, the Lakers, the Mavs, the Suns, the Nuggets, the Clippers—if they went to the NBA Finals, I would not be shocked. I think Dallas is—I think the moves that Dallas made. Toss you watched every game, like with Gafford and PJ Washington. I think those moves, like, it's a completely yeah. different team. Yeah, it definitely is. Only two game sample size thus far. So I, I still want to see more of it, but they've been able to score a lot easier in the paint, um, which is huge for the for the maps because typically it's it's been earlier this year, like do they hit their threes? If they do, then they win. If they don't, then they lose, right? Um I I just don't I'm just a little bit more closed off to some of the teams that you mentioned. Like to me in the Eastern Conference, it's the Celtics, it's the Bucks, it's and it's the heat. That's it. Oh, I, come on. What? Salty dog. You just hate the Cavs. No, no, I just don't think that they can win a title. I would be absolutely shocked if a team who got bounced in the first round of the playoffs last year went to the finals. That would be pretty ridiculous to me, um, especially when their second and third player have never been past the first round. Um, even though Donovan Mitchell has, I think, did, they, did the Jazz ever get to the Western Conference Finals when he was with Gobert? I don't think so. I don't think they got to the Western Conference round. I think they, they got made- to the they got to the second round. Yeah, for sure. Um, I just the 76ers with with Embiid coming back, it's like, what does he look like when he comes back? I, I still I wasn't in love with the moves that they made at the deadline. I, they did something, but it, this is just kind of a it's just a, a terrible blow for them for him getting hurt in the middle of the season. Like it's just it's pretty brutal for them. And then the Knicks, I agree with you on the injury, but if I, there was a fourth team to throw in there, like I trust them more than the Cavaliers. They beat the Cavaliers in a series last year, and I think this Knicks team is better than they were last year. I think Jalen Brunson, their best player, is better than he was last year. Um, sure. And then in the West, I think it's 
I really think it might just be the Clippers and the Nuggets. I, I'm still shaky, obviously, about the the Lakers and the Warriors. I also think like they put themselves in such a hole here um, in the nine and the ten spot, where it's like I don't love that those teams could be going into the playoffs as a play-in team. They lose one game and they're out, and then a team that we thought could go all the way, maybe they could have. All it takes is one night when you're in the play. You just you're not putting yourself in a good enough position. Um, so I, I'm shaky in that respect on on those two teams. The Suns. They just don't have the front court depth. Um, yeah. And so I, I can't believe that Nurkic will be their starting center and take them all the way to the NBA finals. And Beal can't stay healthy. He, he uh, pulled a hammy. So, uh, you know, he's not even played half the games and now he's out again. I don't know how long um, they're optimistic, but who knows? So to me, it's like, uh, it's just the Clippers and the Nuggets because uh, for the same reasons that you kind of wrote off the, the Timberwolves and the Thunder, I just think they're too young. And I think they're very matchup dependent. Like the Thunder don't have enough bigs um, Chet is gonna, he's gonna wear down if, if they, you know, get to the second round or even get to the Western conference finals. Um, and eventually like, you know, they, they'll be able to exploit him. They don't have enough rebounders on that team. Josh Giddy's not a good enough shooter. Uh, and then the Timberwolves are just like, it's not even Rudy Gobert's offense that scares me. It's his defense. When you get into a team that can, you know, have a ball handler who can have a ball screen like the nuggets, you get into a, a Jokic and Murray pick and roll. Like Gobert can't stay on the court because like, he's gonna, he's so, he's just not switchable in that way. And Carl Anthony towns, isn't a great defender. Like they just, they're a weird team. And I think it works for them in the regular season. It might work for them in a couple of playoff rounds, but against the Clippers or against the, against the nuggets. I just, I, I don't think they can win a series seven games. That's why, like seven that's games. Why went, that's why I went first. I was, I knew you're going to be stingier and, and more realistic seven games. A lot. It's just a lot. Like when you, when you get into these series, these NBA playoff series are long. They are long as all heck. Like it's, it's hard, man. It's hard. And that's why like if, if the war, the Warriors are on a five game win streak, if they can keep winning. Their roster is really deep. And in a seven game series, like I know all three of us, like we, we like those odds for them. Like they can do a lot of good things. Draymond's back. He didn't really even get suspended. I know Clay's not the same, but like they shoot the three ball really well and they hit in the draft and Kaminga's, I think over the last three weeks, averaging like 20 plus points per game. So like maybe finally that pick actually hit. Oh, it um, hit. He's a, he's, they're using him as a big, he's, he no, he's, he's, yeah, he's an animal. Yeah. So it's, an it's good though. What Nick said about the parody is very, it's very apt and it's very, it's exciting. It makes it exciting going into the playoffs because I'm saying that the Timberwolves and the Thunder and the Cavs aren't contenders, but here they are. All three of those teams are top two in their respective conference. So that's, that's cool. That's what we want. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I don't know if we have enough time for baseball. So next time. Who, who was yep. it though? Just, just remind me and the listeners who got signed this, this week. That was a big, relatively big move. Solaire. Solaire. We can do a little. We can do a little baseball extra, just quickly. If you want to quickly do it, Nick, we'll just have it as a just extra, on just extra innings is what we'll call it. A little extra extra innings you want to hear on ten ninety, oh, but we'll do on bonus the bonus content. Okay, cool. Um, well, on our docket, uh, is there an issue with players waiting too long to sign? And I'll go first. Yeah, it's really annoying. Um, we're sitting here in spring training, and there are teams that have fully reported. <laughs> and we're literally. Like Blake Snell who, and Cody Bellinger, two of the top free agents in, in this class, have nowhere to be. Montgomery, there's Jordan Montgomery. There's and there's not really any rumblings either where these guys are going. I've seen offers to Snell that he's countered with for New York, but that's really the only thing that I've been seeing. And so I don't know how much longer we're gonna have to wait to see these guys sign. I mean, it's been happened before, like Manny Machado with the Padres the first time. 
if he signed late, Bryce Harper signed late, and sometimes it works into their favor because they get more money. But I think it's the opposite this year. I think they're asking for too much money, and these and these teams are just not not giving them what they want. Yeah, I am with you wholeheartedly. And there's a common denominator. There's a common person as the common denominator in a Scott lot of these guys. I hate him. It's too much, dude. Like it's like it's all I've heard about Bellinger is the Cubs. Like the Mariners, maybe, but they've made their moves. It seems uh, the Snell thing with Art Moreno, like he doesn't want Snell apparently. And if he went to the Angels, like I know I've negged Snell in the past, and he's had a great career. But if he went to the Angels, we all know how that would turn out for him. Like that's just like a disaster waiting to happen. Um, yeah, and Montgomery going, going for the money and not caring anything about winning. Yeah, completely. And then Montgomery is just like unfortunate. Like I wish he went back to the Rangers, but he hasn't gone back yet. And so I don't know where he's necessarily going to go. So Lair finally signed with the Giants, you know, and that was a pretty good deal for them. I felt three years for $42 million. Like it's a pretty, pretty nice bargain. Yeah, you should be. It's pretty, pretty solid deal. I'm jealous too, but like there is an issue because you, you say spring training started pitchers and catchers are there. IE Montgomery and Snell should be there. And it's it'll get dangerous to their health at a certain point if you don't have the proper warm up. Well, I mean, they're working out. It's not like they're just sitting there on their butts. You know, I think. Sure. But like you want to get them in there. Yeah, of course. I mean, you want to get those guys in there as soon as possible give them an edge. I mean, you don't want them to be the last guy showing up to, to spring training. I mean, it's a locker room thing, but also like a lot of these teams, you know, want to figure out what their rotation looks like and want to figure out what their roster looks like. And, you know, I know the Padres aren't done making moves. I, I think they mentioned they want to add another outfielder at least, but it's just annoying. You know, at is the it, end of the day, it, like, like there's opening day is like almost a month away. The Padres and the Dodgers square off in Korea on March 20th. Is it in, an, <laughs> in another sense also bad for the sport from an exposure standpoint, from a media standpoint, because if you had a free agency window where the decisions had to be made and these guys – like NFL, like NBA, right? And the moves were all made and the rosters are relatively set outside of like the additional pieces that are just add-ons to the roster, young guys who like don't really make a difference to the the run-of-the-mill fan who loves their team. Like if you have those, the decisions made going into spring training, one, people that are going to spring training know that already. They know who's on the team. They know who they're going to see. They might be more excited about getting there. But also you have that time to then hypothesize about what your team can be and know actually what it's going to be as opposed to for two weeks being like, who's Jordan Montgomery going to sign with? Like that to me is boring news because I don't really care. And and we've talked about all the different possible outcomes until he actually signs and then we can react off of it. But just from my mind, like there's less certainty in any given team being like, okay, here's our roster. Here's what we're looking at. Our team can win the division our teams looking at, you know, going for wild card spot and like building that relationship with the fans on the current roster. Like I, I know it's something specific, but I, I also think like it could be working against them in a way. And like that for me as kind of a broad strokes baseball fan, I'm like, wait, someone signed this week. And the last time someone signed was like two weeks ago that I cared about, like what's going on. Yeah. There, you, I, there should be a time limit on it. That's why the NBA and the NFL are so exciting. Not that there's time limits, but like it all happens pretty much in a couple days. Yeah, right? 13 free days a- in NBA free agency. That's it. It op- Yeah. It, uh, free agency opens up and then it happens right now. Like they threw MLB.com's like, Oh, 
Cody Bellinger's like the 60th best player. Like they have the big, you know, the best player sheets, the top 100, and it says free agent next to his name. It's like, how do you even know at this point? Like, you don't even know where the guy's going to be. So it's gotten to a point of ridiculous, and I hate negative attention on the game, but that's what this is bringing. Like, we're sitting here, and it's like, and these guys are like really good players, but if they were real, if they were real, real, real top dog needle movers worth the money they're asking for, someone would have signed them right now. I think, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Look, at the end of the day, like these are both guys that had question marks going into the season, right? Like Bellinger's a guy that that brought his value back up because he had an amazing season with the Cubs. And same thing with Snell. Like there's a lot of there's so many different things that you can say about Snell in a good fashion and, and in a bad, because yes, he walks a lot and his his whip is high and he has the lower ERA, but he doesn't pitch enough innings. And like, is he only money motivated, right? Like he only plays well in the contract year. You did win a Cy Young. So, like, all these guys have questions at the end of the day. And so there's a reason why I feel like this is taking so long. And, yes, money talks, but that's also partially why we're sitting here right now because they want so much money. But, look, the same thing, like I said, happened with Bryce Harper. He signed in, in February when he signed with the Phillies. You know, It was for $330 million. But, I mean, we're sitting here talking about an MVP candidate, one of the best players in baseball. So it's not necessarily, you know, always like this but look otani signed early yamamoto when he signed it was his signing period like they, like this stuff happens quick if they're good enough and like there's no doubts about them then people are going to give him money and they're going to take the best deal possible right then and there there's obviously some issues going on right now within the league mm-hmm. yeah i completely agree um but you know good baseball talk will come we're good but we're gonna get our previews coming soon a little fantasy baseball we'll do a little divisional previews and we're hoping for another great season of course in baseball but yes ultimately very frustrating we are anti scott boris on this show he's he's no fun for the sport fisher topless dj nikki snacks crider we will see you guys next time hit your free throws and now this is the moment you've all been waiting for we are live on the charity stripe podcast with your hosts alex josh and nick thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.